0: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Katie Hughes. I'm the senior publicist for MLB here at ESPN. Uh, I want to welcome y'all to our call with MLB insider Keith Law, whose number one MLB prospect was released this morning on ESPN Plus. Keith has been scouting and researching these players for a year, and um, to release this annual project. Um, So you can find the full list on ESPN Plus, 100 to 51, 50 to number one, and the um, what. Uh, people that just missed the top 100. Um, so I'll kick it to Keith to give a little bit more background on this project. Sure,
1: thanks, Katie. Um, so if you're
2: probably most of you on the call are familiar with my lists, but uh, this is the I think the 12th year I've done a top 100. Uh, it's more than 10, and at some point you just stop counting, right? Because it reminds you that you're getting older. Uh, as Katie said, I have been, as usual, out scouting players all year. I talked to scouts. I talked to executives from all 30 clubs. Uh, to gather all of this information, this week is sort of part one, the top 100 rankings, as well as the guys who just missed. There will be a column that I believe runs Friday, just looking at the top 20 prospects for impact specifically in 2019. On Monday, my ranking of all 30 farm systems will appear, and then for the six days after that, there will be team reports, one division a day, uh, running for those six days, and um, which I am actually still writing. The American League ones are written. I'm still working on the National League right now. Uh, so I'm happy to answer questions about the list that have appeared so far, about the process. Um, if you have questions about, say, farm system rankings, I can answer in a general sense, but I'm still finalizing some parts of that. So I don't want to overcommit to uh, giving two specific answers because there's always a chance something will change in that column before it runs on Monday. Um, and with that, I'm happy to take questions.
0: Great. Um, thanks, Keith. We'll go ahead and start with um, Al Yellen from SB Nation um, with Mark Topkin on deck.
3: Hi, Keith. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, you may be covering this in your NL Central piece next week, but I was wondering if you could give your current opinion of the Cubs farm system. In particular, I'd like your thoughts about Nico Horner, a Cole Roterer, and Brennan Davis from 2018 draft class. Could those three or any other players take a step forward this year and lead to an improved Cubs system in the 2020 rankings?
2: So their system is very close to the bottom. At this point, they only had one player in my top 100. That's Miguel Amaya. He was uh, towards the back of the list, although I do like him quite a bit as a prospect, uh, particularly because he's a catcher, projects to stay as a catcher, and has uh, offensive value, may have a lot of offensive value, in fact. Nico Horner was on the column of just missed players that ran on Monday. Uh, He was obviously a recent draft pick. He's not particularly toolsy. Uh, I did get to see him myself in the fall league. I love how he plays. I think he's a very smart player, a very instinctual player. Uh, I think he's going to add more value than you might expect if you simply evaluated him off of his physical tools. Um, he could easily be a top 100 guy a year from now. Um, Marquez, whose first name unfortunately, I'm blanking on right now um, is another candidate of somebody who I think could make a big leap forward uh pitcher who was just in short season ball last year. I will point out the Cubs have had a lot of these guys, the Oscar de la Cruzes, for example, even Jose Alberto's pitchers who've appeared in short season ball, looked very promising. They haven't had a pitcher like that actually pan out in a while. Rotterer and Davis will be in my Cubs top 10. Uh, I don't really look at either of those guys as likely future top 100 candidates. I never want to rule anything out entirely, but I think the probability of either of them taking that kind of leap forward probably not that high. If it were one of them, I'd probably bet on roto because I think he's going to perform more than Davis, who a very interesting athlete, but I think a lot further away from producing enough to be a potential top 100 pros- prospect.
0: Thanks very much. Great. And then we'll go ahead and um, toss to Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times with Tony Paul on deck.
3: Um, one uh, overall question first is you have nine rays in, in your top 100, obviously. Um, they, they'd kind of gone through a lull for a while. They seem to have obviously added some uh, more impactful type prospects. Where do you where do you think the credit goes? Where do you think the, the change was? How did they do that?
2: Uh, it's been across uh, the board, not- but I think that but I think the two particular things were, uh, one, they've drafted a lot better the last couple of years. They had a change in scouting directors and a change in overall philosophy towards the draft. And you and I have talked specifically about that disaster draft where they had, what, seven picks in the top 70 and got essentially nothing out of it. Um, right. That's not going hap- to happen anymore. They're drafting smarter, better. They're more opportunistic they're uh i think just doing a better job of weighing probability against risk i thought last year's draft class was extremely strong for them in fact i'd say the last two drafts have been very very strong and they're also really starting to hit on the international international front and wonder franco obviously is the most obvious fruits of that but i think that you're going to see in the next two or three years more of their international prospects starting to bubble up and when the team report comes out you'll see more on them they're 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 extremely deep at this point. And I didn't even mention, I think they're, they're trading well too. They are, it's funny, they're thought of so much as an analytics focused organization. They scout the miners as well as any team I can think of. And they're, they're, not only do they have good scouts, but their system for going out to see those players is itself different. In an era where we keep hearing, it's true, there are scouts losing their jobs, teams are cutting back on scouting. The Rays are kind of going the other direction. They still use – obviously, they have a huge analytics department. They use it. But they also go out and scout in a very old-school fashion, and I love it. And I think it's really helping – it's absolutely helping them find players in trades who have helped make the system stronger.
3: Great. And the difference you allude to is doing it kind of old-school, and you said their scouting is different? Yeah, they – I know a lot of their
2: scouts um, in part because they're everywhere. And they are, most teams have fairly stringent assignments. You have, you have, you know, if you're a scout, you get these three organizations for the year, AAA on down to a ball maybe, or you're going to have the Eastern league and half of the Sally league. You you have assignments. The race have some of that, but they are very flexible in how they deploy their scouts, particularly when it comes to, Opportunities for trades. If they see a possibility that they can strike a deal with someone, they are much more nimble in terms of getting their scouts out there to get extra looks at players uh, who might be targets in trades. And it's always fascinating to me that I can ask someone in there who scouts for them, hey, did you see so-and-so? Knowing that that was nowhere near his assigned coverage, but he saw him because they understand the value of getting more looks, getting their best people out there to get more looks at those players who might be targets in trades and then pairing that with the information that they get from analytics. I'm very much of the mind that more information is always better. And the Rays, I think, right. might be the best organization at doing that.
3: Gotcha. And then quickly, if I could, on two specific players, uh, you refer to Wander, obviously, in, in glowing terms, including a word I've never seen before, exothermic. <laughs> um, what? Uh, what? How quickly could he move? I mean, you, you referenced the scout saying he could be a teenage major leaguer. What do you think?
2: Uh, no, I agree. I agree. I went to Pulaski to see him specifically to see him last year. And, um, I posted that little video on Twitter of him holding, right. and I don't know if you could hear it on the video, but I, he hit that ball so hard and so fast that I was laughing out loud. And I I had stopped myself as people are looking at me, but it's, you just don't <laughs> see 17 year olds do that. Um, right. He really could, you know, put away service time games for a moment. If you told me he was going to make his big league debut at the end of 2020, that would not surprise me. He's so advanced. He's Vlad Jr. advanced. He's Fernando Tatis Jr. advanced. The only two guys ahead of him on the list.
1: And I
2: I think he finishes this year at high A, if not higher. As long as he stays healthy, there's really nothing holding this guy back, except I think just he's got to, he has to check off those boxes, right? He has to move up step by step through the system. They're,
3: They're not going to have him skip levels because of his youth. Right, and the last thing is, would you go as far as, as saying maybe they're doing a disservice with Brendan McKay of sticking to two-way when he's as far ahead as a pitcher as you noted? I think
2: that time has come. They have to make. They're going to have to make that decision now. They don't necessarily agree, but every scout I spoke to who saw him last year said, just put him on the mound. He could eventually be a good two-way player, but there's such a disparity between where he is as a pitcher and where he is as a hitter that you're probably holding him back as a pitcher and also not getting value from him. He could provide value this year as a pitcher in the majors, but not as a hitter.
3: Gotcha. Thank you very much, as always. Yep. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Thank you, Mark. Um, Tony, Paul, you're next with Brendan Cootie on the deck.
4: Morning. Appreciate your time. Um, sure. Just uh, curious. Um, you know, there's been years where I've looked at this list. You know, and obviously don't often you know see a ton of tigers. Um, three this year. Um, three this year. Just uh, a general overall assessment of, of, of where they are as opposed to just a couple of years ago in, in this redevelopment phase of their minor leagues.
2: Yeah, I would say making progress. A bit slower than a lot of other rebuilds because, well, the biggest reason is they didn't have as many pieces to trade in the teardown. And a lot of clubs mm-hmm. get to that point, end of a competitive window. You trade a bunch of major leaguers and you bring in a whole passel of prospects. They only had a few guys like that to potentially trade. And even when they had J.D. Martinez, his market was limited and it was a rental player. And frankly, I don't think they did that well in that particular trade anyway. Um so it's going to take a couple more drafts for them, I think. And obviously, they're going to draft high now, probably for the next several years. Um, they're going to have to hit on those drafts. They're probably going to have to do better after the first round in those drafts as well. Was last year, they didn't love the second-round pick, and that was basically their draft, was Mize and Meadows, and that was kind of it. Um, you know, If they want to get some bulk into the system, it's probably going to be a little change in philosophy. And uh, I point out, I guess this maybe won't run until next week but i know i wrote it that Mm -hmm. they they're not doing much on the international front either and you really you can't punt on that anymore and the new system really doesn't reward teams the way the old system used to where you punt a year or two and then go in go sort of all in you see teams now every year signing a million two million dollar guy because kind of everyone's allowed to do it now they're not and when they do go in they're they're not finding success too so i don't i don't know enough about their system there but they're You've, you've got to have more international prospects in your system, certainly. If you look at my top 10, top 15 when it comes out on Monday of farm systems, pretty much all of those clubs have some significant international prospects, meaning that you know the 16-year-olds who signed from uh, Latin America. The Tigers really don't have much of that at all and haven't for a while. I, I tried to go back and find one, and I couldn't. It's been a while since they've had one of those um, turn into a real prospect and, and develop into something in the majors.
4: Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so the Tigers are going to be in the bottom half. Gotcha. Uh, big surprise. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I was I I was intrigued by Manning because you and I have talked about Manning in the past. Your opinions have mm-hmm. gone up and down on him. Um yep. You uh, you obviously see more in him than you than you've seen in the last couple of years.
1: Yes, and
2: I you that's one to give the Tigers player development people a lot of credit because they reworked his delivery. I mean, I saw him in early in 17. He was not good. I was going to say a mess. That's probably a little too strong. He wasn't good. He was really struggling to throw strikes. There were, I was getting reports from scouts that they were having him skip starts in extended spring training because they were afraid he wasn't going to throw strikes. And then, and and the stuff was down and, and the breaking ball wasn't as good. I caught him his double a debut this past summer was in Harrisburg, mm-hmm. throwed up there basically just to see him, although the lineup had a bunch of other good prospects. But you know, mm-hmm. I hear this guy's throwing better. The delivery's better. Sure enough, he looks like a different guy. He's, all that athleticism, which, you know, he's a basketball star in high school. Now it's playing mm-hmm. out in the delivery, and he's extending way out over his front side. And the fastball, it's more 92-95, not 98 like high school, but it plays. The breaking ball is better. He's throwing better strikes. And now you can look at that guy and say, I can also see the path where he continues to improve. And so much of it comes down to the work they did. And obviously that he did too, to give him a delivery, he can truly work with and repeat. It gives him a foundation to build off of going forward. He really did not have that a year ago.
4: All right. Um, And then just last one, Mize, uh, I mean, he didn't pitch much. Um, Do you think, uh, you think the Tigers got the right guy there? 100%. 100%.
2: He was the no doubt best overall player in the draft class for me. Uh, I think even if you redrafted today, he would still go first overall. They just He pitched a lot in the spring. There was no reason to have him pitch much in the summer. And I did say, again somewhere, I think it was in his capsule, if they were contending this year, he'd appear in the majors. They don't really have any incentive to do so right now, but it's now stuff. It's now control. He could help a major league club in some role right now. They just have no reason to push him.
4: Right, right. Um, actually one more and uh, he's not on your list, so if you don't have information on him, that's fine. But I'm just curious, have you gotten any reports on Alex Fiedo over the last year? There's I know I've heard some stuff about his velocity being a concern. I don't know. Like I said, he's not on your list, so if you don't have anything available I right. understand.
2: No, I do. I do. Well he's not on the list for a reason because he just right. wasn't very good last year. And that the thing right. is he was never I saw him in college. He was never a huge velocity guy. And he's pitching a lot of ninety ninety two now, now. The, the slider is good. It was a plus slider in college. It's not a plus slider anymore. And what we're seeing is that not only is the fastball not hard, though, it's a low-quality fastball. So he got to double A and suddenly became extremely homer-prone. And mm. every scout I asked about him who saw him either in high or double A came back and said, reliever. Now, often you get some difference of opinions, right? Scouting is subjective. Some guys will right. say, well, he can do this and this and become a starter. Everybody came back and said reliever. And um, I thought he was a risky pick at the time. He came out of college for a couple of different reasons, but I would say he's also underperformed, even what I expected. I had him uh, maybe lower than, than the industry did at the time he was drafted, but I think he's even sort of come in under what I would have anticipated for his first year, you know, pitching you know, pitching half the year in the A-ball. He expected better results. Right. I expected better results.
4: Right. All right, man, I appreciate your turn. you always consistent. Yeah,
2: you're welcome.
0: Thanks, Tony. Um, up next, we have Brendan Cootie from NJ Advanced Media with um, Matthew Powers from Talking Top on deck. Keith, thank you for taking the time. Sure.
5: So, what were y'all? Last mm-hmm. year, you know, uh, sky's the limit. Injuries, still crazy athletic profile, but how likely do you think it is that he reaches maybe not even the potential that he has, but becomes good enough with the pitch recognition to where he can even be an everyday guy at the major league level? So he was, he, this is two straight years I've had him
2: on my just missed list. And the reason is basically the same. He did have, I think it was a hemi, right? He was injured this year. So there was, yeah, you some reasons underlying the, the poor performance, but the basic issue, and I did see him again this year. I've seen him a lot the last two years. Um, I think the joke I told on the call, well, it wasn't a joke. The line I had on the call last year was I've seen him strike down on every single pitch type. That remains true. I mean, it had it happened again. I don't, and it's not that he can't tell a ball from a strike. It's that I really don't think he can recognize a fastball from an off-speed pitch, whether it's a change-up, breaking ball, whatever. He is constantly fooled by different pitch types. I think his outcomes, and I I mentioned too, that they, the Yankees hired Dylan Lawson, a uh, pitching coach from outside, whose main focus is helping hitters learn to recognize pitches. Well, that can't be a coincidence. Arguably their second or third best position player prospect has this very clear need. It seems like that's probably part of the reason they hired this guy was to work with Floreal and and guys like Floreal. I think there are two outcomes for Floreal. He figures out some sort of pitch recognition. He's an everyday guy or better. There's no middle ground here because if he doesn't figure it out, he's not going to produce any value in the majors at all. I and mean, he's going to have a hard time hitting double-A pitching if he can't figure out different pitch types because at that level, guys will have good quality secondaries. They may not command them, but that's kind of not been the issue. He just can't seem to he, – he missed times even if they're throwing a breaking pitch for a strike because he just doesn't pick it up. So I still think he's on the just-miss list for a reason. He's got star tools. He's got star upside. It's going to be difficult for him to get there with the current problems with pitch recognition. It's a very clear thing for him to work on, and for I mean, that's got to be the mandate for player development. We know what we have here. You're not working on getting him stronger or faster. You're working on this one very specific hole in his game that is preventing him from becoming a regular and, and potentially a star.
5: Gotcha. Um, thank you. Answer, uh, Jonathan, and I always say his last name is wrong. Oh. Yeah, I cover this guy every day. I know I didn't get his name wrong, um, Luis Siga. He doesn't make your top 100 or just missed. Is it injury history related? Do, do you not see it? Yeah. Do you not see him staying healthy? He's just never been healthy,
2: right? The number one predictor of future injuries, as far as I know, is past injuries. And he has had Tommy John, a significant shoulder injury, not surgery, but missed a ton of time with it. He missed time the year before with other injury. Like he's just. Always hurt. I love the stuff I mean, I think he's a mid-rotation starter if he's healthy. But how could I possibly predict him to stay healthy when he's really got no track record of doing so? I think he's only got about 150 professional innings. So far. I just looked it up the other day because uh, I did write the Yankees. He's in the Yankees' top ten, obviously. It's just he's really not pitched very much at all at any level. And so I'm not really sure what we have here. And, and I can't just say, well, you just put him in the bullpen and he'll be fine. I don't think this is a matter of not holding up as a starter. I just think physically he he has not held up yet. There's no guarantees. You hope he will hold up going forward. But so far, there's just no reason to believe that he will do so. But grading out the stuff, he's he might be more than just a mid-rotation starter. He's at least an above-average starter if you're just going by stuff. And I think he's got the control at least to potentially get there. It's just we got to see 120 innings out of this guy in some calendar year before going
5: all in. 120 innings calendar year. Gotcha. And um, I guess really last one. Uh, Luis Medina. He, he was getting cons on of Luis Severino. Um, he's obviously was getting them when he was 18 years old. Were those premature? And how bad are his his um his control issues and his command issues?
2: I saw him when I went to Chulaski Actually, he pitched. He hit Wander Franco. I, um, in the first half out, Franco's first half out of the game, Medina hits him in the hip. And I'm, a, I'm thinking I flew down and drove to you know, rural Virginia and Franco's going to get yanked out of the game because he got hurt on the first pitch. Like who, what, what, I, I was going to lose my mind in the stands there. Um, he's, Medina's, he's funny. First, first of all, the Severino comps were probably ridiculous. Um, he is, however, he's pretty athletic, good body. Um, the ball explodes out of his hand. The delivery is not bad at all. You might even say the delivery is good. I'm not really sure why he can't throw strikes, but he can't throw strikes. He was all over the place. I think he got four outs the night I saw him. He walked three. He hit another couple of guys, and he was just never close. I mean, if he gets close to the plate, he's going to get a ton of swings and misses. It's up to 99 with high spin. His breaking ball can look pretty good. It's the... He's still in my Yankees top 10, despite the fact that he walked 46 in 36 innings last year. It's I don't usually do that. But I understand. The stuff is exceptional, and he is not one of those bad delivery guys where you look and say, he's never going to throw strikes. There's a good chance, a non-zero chance, this guy figures out how to throw strikes. The raw elements are there. He's just, he's not close. It's 20 command right now. It's just that I get... I don't usually see 20 command guys and think there's a chance he gets to average command at some point in his life. He's an exception because of the stuff I mentioned, the athleticism and the delivery and the body. There's so many other things to like, if he could just figure out where the ball was going.
5: Actually, Great point. And actually, now I think about it last thing. Uh, he, I'm mm-hmm. sorry to ask you about so many guys who are not under top hundred, but these are Yankees guys and they're in under top hundred. Uh, the only right. one guy there. Well, they only have Mike one. King, yeah. yeah. Mike King is, mm-hmm. is uh you know, looks like he could put himself in the mix to be uh, a back end guy for the Yankees this year. Has he completely just overperformed his his, uh, his abilities, or do you think that there's a actually a major league starter in there? Not a starter. Everybody says reliever. Every
2: every single scout I talked to said reliever. Um, I don't even think he's in my Yankees top ten. Um, there's it's a deception thing. I think he's fooling minor league hitters. Obviously, he throws strikes. There's some life to the fastball. But it's kind of a cross-body delivery, really hard for minor league hitters to pick up. Cannot see him going through a major league lineup three times. Not sure I could see him doing it two times. Um, They have a lot of other – they have a lot of guys who I think could be starters uh, who are farther away. Uh, King, to me, is in that large group of potential relievers they have with, like, Trevor Stephan, uh, Nick Nelson. Chance Adams is probably in that group at this point. Guys who might have started at some point in the minors but who only project as relievers in the majors.
5: That's right. Keith, uh, thank you so much for your time. Then, yeah, you're welcome.
0: Thank you, Brendan. Uh, all right, and then next we'll have Matt Powers from Talking Chop, and that will wrap up. But we can we have extra extra time, so if you have any follow up questions, we can start the rotation again.
1: Keith, hey, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for doing this today. Uh, my first question was actually on William Contreras, who ranked a little higher than I expected ahead of guys like Martin mm-hmm. Hernandez. Is that mostly because of his all-around ability, or is it possibly that you see him as potentially more likely to be an impact catcher?
2: Uh, I guess a little of both, actually. I mean, making those direct comparisons, you know, he's ahead of uh, Hernandez defensively, I think he's got a lot more potential offensively to hit, especially to hit and to get on base than Bart does. And he's still pretty young with good performance and good presence skill level for someone his age. So I can project a lot of growth on him. Um, he's, and look, like if you look at the back of my list too, right, it's a little stuck with catchers. And that's not an accident, right? There's just, if you're a catcher who can stay at the position and you project to hit at all, you're probably a pretty valuable commodity. There's just never enough catchers to go around. And Contreras, he was one of that sort of large bubble of guys I had for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 spots. And as I started to talk to uh, executives with other clubs, pro scouting directors, assistant GMs, his was a name that also kept coming up too. There's, it's clear that there's real industry value to him. It's not just that I like him, that scouts like him. Uh, but it's that the rest of the industry looks and says, no, that's a, that's a particularly valuable player. If, the, if Atlanta were to try to make some kind of significant trade, the guy they're going to get hit on a ton. Because people look at him and say, for what he's done now and for the tools and the potential for him, I think, to become a little more disciplined hitter as he gets older, you're looking at an above-average regular, maybe a star at a position where teams are just desperate to find anyone who can play the position 120 times.
1: Okay, thank you. And a guy that didn't make your list, uh, Joey Wentz. Last year, when he was mm-hmm. on and when he was healthy, when he was in command, which he definitely had some bouts where the command was all over the place, he had some of the best numbers in all of the minor leagues for that short 10 to 15-start period. What would you think of him? Obviously, the bouts of command and the injuries would play into that, but he's not a guy that we hear much about. Uh, no, and it doesn't help that there's, what, a
2: half dozen other pitchers in the system who were healthy, um, and, and pitched better, got to the big leagues. You know, he had a lat issue that I think affected him for much of the year. Um, he is a command guy. He's not a huge stuff guy. Uh, and so he needs to, to, uh, not, never mind just ranking somewhere on this list. And by he's not far off, but I think he's 11th in my Atlanta. Team ranking, It's going to be 10th or 11th when I end up doing their uh, organizational ranking. Uh, but if, if he's not showing command, then it's hard to see what – it's hard for anyone to walk away from the start where he's not showing that kind of command and say, oh, I see this guy as a mid-rotation starter, which I think he could potentially be. It's, it's uh, exceptional extension in his delivery. There's a lot of deception to it as a result, he will show you, I think, a really good changeup. I think his changeup is probably ahead of his breaking ball at this point. I don't know that we're expecting a ton of physical projection. He's not going to throw a lot harder, so when the command isn't there, it's a little bit of a concern. I also look and say, you know, what? Maybe the lat strain. You know, maybe he pitched sometimes where he wasn't a hundred percent, and therefore that's why he didn't look like quite the same guy this year. I think he only threw about sixty innings or so. I would expect him, he's supposed to be fine at this point, I would expect him to go out, pitch a full season this year. And if he shows the same quality of stuff and has the expected results over this year, he probably gets back onto the list at this point. It wasn't that he so much dropped from the list as that a lot of other guys ended up passing him because they had healthy seasons, more effective seasons, and he just kind of, you give him a mulligan. It was just not... Uh, it was not a year of progress for him because it sounds like that lat issue lasted most of the season for him.
1: Okay. And thanks. And I have one more question that actually, uh, you made me think of during this call when you're talking about the Tigers and their international Mm -hmm. signings, obviously the Braves are hit with some pretty significant international penalties. How badly do you see that affecting the system long term? It will drag them down over the next couple
2: of years. Um, you know, it's funny because they're you know, they lost a lot of prospects from that one huge class, and most of those guys haven't turned into much. I think a couple of them will see the big leagues. Um, but they haven't lost anybody who's a top one hundred prospect now or likely to become one particularly soon. Kevin Maiton's the most famous one. He's kind of stalled. I don't think he's a non prospect, but he's not he, he really hasn't become the guy he was supposed to become, at least. When it's going to hurt is after the next two or three cycles where they, you know, they can't participate for a little while longer. They're going to end up in one of these situations like Detroit, like Baltimore, a couple other clubs towards the bottom. that just gotten nothing from the international front because they're just not going to be able to sign guys. They're going to have to find those. You know, there are plenty of teams who find $50,000 guys. I think there's was it Freiser Perez Perez, the Yankee system signed for 10 grand. Atlanta can still find guys like that. It's just harder. Um, and probably probably requires a little bit of luck. That's all they're going to be able to do. They're not going to get the Wander Franco for a couple of cycles, and that's probably going to end up dragging the system down at the same time that they're losing a lot of guys from their top 10 or top 15 to graduations to the majors, guys who will end up pitching enough at the big leagues, they're mostly pitchers, that they end up uh, coming off of the list for that reason. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if you know two years from now Atlanta is a middle-of-the-pack system or even a little below because they'll draft lower, they won't have international guys and they're going to graduate a lot of these prospects in the next like 18 months. All
1: right. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Thanks Matt. Um, So we do have some extra time. If uh, anyone has any follow-up questions, I'll start with Al.
1: Follow-up
3: question. uh, Keith, do you, uh, do you see any uh, pictures in the, Cubs organization that could contribute in the major leagues in 2019?
1: Off the top of my head,
2: <sighs> unlikely. Certainly really nobody I'm thinking, I haven't written up their whole organization yet just because I started with the American League uh, out of habit. I mean, could somebody like a Thomas Hatch come up and pitch in a relief role, maybe take a couple of starts as a starter? Could Justin Steele do something like that? He was okay in the fall league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could appear, but to come up and have impact, I'm not, I, I, I posited maybe forgetting somebody, maybe somebody who's just a pure reliever, but nobody's coming to mind immediately. The pitchers who are most interesting in their system are either really far away or just weren't very good last year. A guy like Alex Lang, who's always going to be a reliever, he's got that knockout curveball. He just wasn't very good last year. So could he maybe could he come up and be a one-inning guy and just miss some bats with the breaking ball? Yeah, it's possible. He just he was kind of underwhelming last year. Um, and so I'm hesitant to say he could be any kind of impact guy for 2019 even if he's more a guy who just makes some appearances but doesn't really move the needle very much.
1: Thank you. Yep. You're welcome.
0: Thanks, Al. Um, Talking to Mark Topkin one more time.
3: Yeah, Keith, just two other guys to ask you about quickly is um, knowing what you do of Brent Honeywell's talent and also his personality, mm-hmm. what do you think <laughs> the biggest challenge and upside will be for him to reach that?
2: Um, you know, it's funny. The raise people, because they even suspended him for some minor discretion, I don't even know what it was, indiscretion, at the end of, 2017. I don't even remember what the issue was. It was assured it wasn't a big deal, but he's just, but they like him. They just described him as kind of a different guy and that's fine. I mean, people would probably describe me as a different guy. So I'm certainly not in any position (laughs) to judge. Um, You know, I think for him, my issue with Honeywell in the past, one is that he'd had some health issues and obviously finally did blow blow out, so hopefully he comes back. He's fully healthy. He's got a lot of weapons and I think for him, it may be a function of just simplifying, especially maybe the first time through the major leagues. Like it's easy to come to the majors and say, I have five different pitches. I'm going to use all of these. Well, maybe if you're Forrest Whitley, you can do that because all five pitches are really good. For Honeywell, he may be better off trying to simplify with a you know, three pitch approach for now. And then over time, maybe he reintroduces, Scott, everyone talks about the screwball. He doesn't really, it's not really that important a pitch for him. If he throws five a game to just screw with hitters' minds, that could be really effective. Just don't do that right away. Come up, focus on the couple of pitches that you know are particularly good. It's got that true change up that I think has a chance to be like a seven, grade 70 pitch. Come up pitch like that first couple of times through the league. and then if you want to gradually expand the repertoire again, because you know you have those pitches, that might be more effective because it's going to be about you know adjusting to major league hitters. Developing, continuing to develop command, which he's already come a long way since he was first drafted. I think the kids made a ton of progress. That last leap to the majors may be an issue for him just because, again, that style of pitching, I'm going to throw the whole kitchen sink at you, is not as likely to be effective right out of the gate, but it's somebody, he could be one of those David Cohn types where he's just throwing things that are. I don't even know what that pitch was. I kind of made it up in the middle of the game. He's a guy who could probably do stuff like that as he gets older, and that's what I would. If I were, I'm not a pitching coach, but if you asked me to, what, what advice would I give him at this point? It's hey, keep it simple the first couple times around. As you get more comfortable and have more success, we can experiment with other ways for you to get hitters out, and that'll keep you in the big leagues a long time.
3: Gotcha. And the other guy, I'm not sure, and I apologize for not knowing this, if you even had had him or highly on the board for Cleveland when he was in that system, but what do you you know and, and project for Yandy Diaz, and would you have traded him for Jake Bowers? Uh, yeah, I like Yandy Diaz. Um, I was always
2: a little confused why Cleveland didn't give him more of a chance, because I do think he can hit. The issue with... Him as a hitter specifically, he just puts the ball on the ground a lot for a guy who who is strong enough for power. And I think it's a little bit of a swing path issue, which is funny because they traded him for Jake Bowers, who got mad when the Rays did try to alter his swing path so he could get to more power. And he said he he thought, and I I believe him, he said he thought it screwed him up as a hitter. So they trade one guy like that to acquire another guy who probably also needs some swing the launch angle optimization, that's just the big thing now. This is what we do right? Uh, with hitters. With, Diaz seems like a really good candidate for that, though, because I've seen him I, I mean, I think he's got the hand strength, the upper body strength to drive a lot of balls, and he just doesn't do it in games, but I think it's in there, and I've seen him play some third base, and he was fine, and I've seen him play a little bit in the outfield. He was more than fine. Like I think he's a useful player and somebody who's ready to help right now, and obviously the Rays are very happy to take guys with that kind of versatility and move them around the field a little bit, find different ways to get them in the lineup. I just, he's a guy who's going to hit six home runs right now, but looks like physically and from BP looks like he should hit 20 home runs. thats And I'm sure that's what they were thinking when they acquired him. We're we're going to take a chance that we can get the, the swing to, I'm sure Cleveland tried and it didn't work. We're going to try again with a different approach, see if we can unlock another grade or two of power.
3: Gotcha. Thanks again. Yep, you're welcome.
0: Thanks, Mark. Um, Brendan, one more question?
5: Yeah, thanks, Keith, again, for spending extra time here now. Um, sure. Do you, do you think Garcia, uh, David Garcia, do you think he is a 2020 option for the Yankees? I assume 2019 is probably early. He'll probably start this year at uh, high A. But do you think 2020 is possible?
1: He fin- didn't he have
2: two starts in Trenton to end the year? I think like he I pitched in Trenton the night
5: I flew to Pulaski.
2: Actually, I was so annoyed because of course I wanted to see him all year and I had mm-hmm. already booked a flight to get to, it's funny. Pulaski is not that far as the crow flies. It's pain in the neck to get to. Um, I'm pretty sure he made one start in Trenton and I, for whatever reason, I was not
5: physically here. Um, right. so it's that, now. Now. that, that might've been a, like a, Oh, you know, I, I can't tell you. He made like eight uh, starts at uh six starts at high A and I, I just, yeah, I'm not sure if I think right he made that.
2: one or two starts, and yeah, he pitched somewhere. See, he pitched in Double A at the end of the year. I just bring that up because I think he's going to start the year. Trenton. I didn't ask the Yankees about that. Right. I don't generally ask where guys are going to start because you know why would they try right. Why they don't want to commit themselves? I think he starts at Double A, and if he starts at Double A, he could appear in the majors at some point this season. I don't know that he's going to appear in the majors as a starter necessarily. I think there are other guys ahead of him. Obviously, the, they're the Yankees. They're going to be trying to go to the playoffs. If they need a start, if they think they have a significant need for a starter, they're probably more likely to go trade for somebody in the middle of the season. But could he appear and make two starts in September or appear as a long reliever at some point? Because I mean, they really believe in this kid, too, as do other scouts. I was actually surprised by how positive other scouts were because he's kind of a twerp, right? I say that as a twerp, so I'm allowed to say that. But, I mean, as right. pitchers go, right? short right-handers, we just don't like them. As an industry, we don't really like them. Not only is he short, he's not overly physical, but what comes out of his arm is pretty special. Um, and I think, and the Yankees are, are a very sort of trackman focused team when it comes to really, when it comes to all players, but they love their high spin guys uh, throughout their system. He's a guy who's got that and has command and has control, which says to me at least they're not going to hesitate to trust him with some kind of major league job. By the end of the year, I just, I, knowing the Yankees, knowing where they are uh, competitively, it seems more likely to me that they'll go out and trade for somebody rather than give him 12 starts down the stretch.
4: Perfect.
5: Okay. Uh, makes sense. Thanks, Chief. You, yeah, you're welcome.
0: Thanks, Brendan. Um, Matt, any more follow ups?
1: Yeah, I actually had a question about Kuki Toussaint. You comment about his development and how significant it is. Do you attribute that more to him or to the coaching staff? I'm just wondering based on his ability to apply further developments to keep improving. Sorry, I looked like you clicked out for one second. I need to hear which name you said. Oh, I asked about Tukey Toussaint's uh, adjustments. If you yeah. attribute those more to him or the coaching staff for his ability to keep on making improvements yep. as he goes forward. I think both from talking to Atlanta people, talking to scouts who've seen him a
2: lot over the last couple of years. He is now going to, I saw him in high school too. He's an extreme athlete, top end of the scale athleticism. And people loved scouts who, you know, did home visits, got to know the kid, all loved the kid. They also loved the mom. I believe that like she would make, uh, she's Haitian, I believe, and would like, they would go and she'd have food for them, which I mean, really, if you want to write some, you know, that's the direct path to my heart, right? Serve me, serve me food, and we're in. Um, but that the kid was really bright, high aptitude, he was just raw as heck. And at that point, he was a kid with elite arm strength who probably not had a lot of good coaching. Um, it's not necessarily the worst thing, but if you saw him in high school, it was an arm that was kind of out of control. He really had not at all begun to either grow into his body or learn the kind of coordination that you see when you saw, obviously you saw him in the big leagues this year, so you saw where he came from that. So not everyone could make the kind of quantum leaps that he's made since he, particularly since he came over from Arizona, where he's gone from thrower to pitcher. So you have to give a, a lot of credit to the kid for, one, just, you know, some of it is born physical ability, but a lot is the mental aptitude to be able to make, identify, and execute those adjustments. Um, but talking to the Atlanta people too, it sounds like their player development folks, they, they really did do a lot of work with him. They've done some pretty good work with a couple of pitchers too. If you ever see video of Bryce Wilson from high school, he's a different guy now too. They cleaned up what was a pretty rough delivery, and he looks, that guy got to the big leagues in two years out of high school. That's insane. And particularly, if you go back and look at what he was, a fourth-round pick in high school with a rough delivery, and now you see him in the big leagues with this really getting guys out with just a fastball. I mean, he has other pitches, but his fastball really plays. They're doing some pretty good work there with pitchers and with position players. It's Austin Riley going from a 40 defender to a 55 defender. and um, Drew Waters getting substantially better in his first full pro season. They're, they're player development guys. I don't know what their secret is, but – They've had a lot of success making visible adjustments with a number of young players, uh, which I don't factor that into rankings going forward. Like I don't rank William Contreras higher because of the system he's in. But if I were an Atlanta fan, I'd be very happy knowing, all right, well, we have guys who need to make adjustments, but we have a player development staff that's been really good at identifying and executing those adjustments.
1: Thanks. And, I actually did have one other uh, non-Braves question, only because no one else has asked that. I was slightly surprised mm-hmm. to see Vladi not number one. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on him. Do you not consider him to be a potential generational player, or do you just see Tatis as being that great? Tatis is a shortstop,
2: and he's probably a shortstop, at least for say, the first half of his career. Flagler Jr. is probably a D.H., at 19, he's very large. I compared him. I was on a Toronto radio station back in August or so, because this is the same. I had them one and two in the same order in my midseason prospect update. Now, I would have changed them if I thought I needed to change them, but I, but I don't. Um, and the Toronto hosts were friendly, but asking, wait, why isn't he the best player and best prospect in all of baseball. I said, if I told you Vlad Guerrero Jr. was David Ortiz, would you be happy with that outcome? They said, of course, absolutely. But David Ortiz was a great player for a long time as a DH. And if you look at his, the value he was able to deliver, it was somewhat restricted by the fact that he couldn't deliver any value on defense. Wherever Vlad ends up, it's not going to be third base. He's not going to add value on defense and the replacement level he's sort of working against is going to be higher Tatis is going to break into the majors as a shortstop. And Tatis, by the way, can really hit. He's just not as famous as Vlad. It's maybe not quite as loud as when Vlad hits. But Tatis is going to come up as a shortstop. I think at worst he ends up at third base, but I think he's going to spend a lot of his career at, at shortstop. It might be sort of the Machado, you know, Alex Rodriguez, spend some time at short, elite defensively at third. When you got to go over there, he could be on that kind of path. And those are two players he kind of models himself after. I think there's the potential for him to be a, a generational player, just like Vlad, but somebody who provides additional value on the defensive side, where Vlad is not going to physically not going to be able to do that. Thanks.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in, everyone. Um, I'll be sending out a transcript later today, and Keith's prospects rollout continues over the next week and a half through February 10th. Um, So in the meantime, please feel free to reach out with any more questions.